0: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What, what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives. What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic. You know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR, Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes. Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. It is the nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Hope everybody's having a good evening tonight on a rainy Monday. Sometimes you could just, you could use a rainy Monday. Just chillax, lay back, do nothing. Once in a while, there's nothing wrong with that. Sitting back, listening to the nightcap, of course. Typically, I suggest listening to this program while also having the sound down, watching a sporting event. There's really nothing for you right now, but you got some games later on in the NBA, in the Stanley Cup playoffs, Montreal, and Vegas later in a very odd conference finals in which there's no conference. But the Campbell Trophy is on the line. So you've got that game coming later. We do have some Sabre news that I do want to talk about. It's on, you know, news. It's newsy. It's more newsy than it is news. But we're looking for your calls at 803-0550 over the next hour. The new Z subject is that the Buffalo Sabres have been denied an interview with Ottawa Senators associate head coach, associate coach, Jack Capuano, who the Sabres were trying to interview for their head coach gig. They were shut down by the Senators. The Senators, according to Joe McDonald, uh, who covers the Senators up in Canada, says that their request was denied. They are not allowing Capuano the opportunity to interview for the Sabres head coach job. Now, you can look at this a couple of different ways. The first way is really it doesn't matter all that much because every day that passes, every single thing we hear, national insider, local insider, just the the way it sounds around here is that Don Granado is the favorite to be this team's head coach. And I, at this point, would be... Not stunned, but I'd be surprised if Don Granado is not going to end up as the Buffalo Sabres head coach on a permanent basis. But we know they're conducting the search. We know that they have talked, they've spoken to Boudreaux, at least that's reported that, that that's out there. That they have gone after a couple of other coaches at the pro level. They have talked to collegiate coaches, Nate Lehman is for, for example, at Providence. Capuano is a coach, is one of those recycled coaches. Although, it's interesting he hasn't gotten a second opportunity because typically in this sport, in this league, when you get seven years to be a team's head coach and you have moderate success, moderate success I think is fair to look at for Jack Capuano, at least when you look at his record, when you look at his point totals, in six full seasons as their head coach, He made the playoffs three times. He made it to the second round once. And he had 500, sorry, 500, yeah, 518 points in 483 games. That comes out to about an 87 point pace if you average that out over an 82 game season. And hell, around here, 87 points sounds awesome. It's a lot better than they've done in a very long time. 87 points. And he did that with an Islanders organization that was really looked at as a joke for a long time similar to kind of how the Sabres are better viewed right now in league-wide conversations. But there's there's nothing really all that enticing there for me. If you're going to go with the defensive lock-it-down type of head coach, not Jack Capuano. Jack Capuano is not a hire that either commands respect. It's not hiring it's not It's not hiring this proven winning head coach. It's a guy... That's had a season or two. And that's about it. And it's also not the, well, we're bringing him in here to develop the young guys. We're bringing him in here for Dylan Cousins and Daleen and Owen Power and Yoki Haru. Like, we are not bringing him in for that those guys. So, really, who are you hiring Jack Capuano for? And to me, all that is, I, I guess, it's... The Sabres doing their due diligence. I'd like to think, though, that they'd know enough to know that that guy is never going to get this job. It is not worthy of this job. He's not deserving, to me, of having another head coach opportunity in the NHL. I I don't see where the value comes from hiring Jack Capuano. He doesn't play the style of hockey you want to play. He doesn't have the, to me, the track record that even Granado does working with the prospects, with the young guys and he doesn't give you the Boudreau or Gallant who's now with the New York Rangers cross him off the list as a potential Sabres head coach. He's not, you know, he's not even uh Claude Julien. If you wanted to go for, oh, we're going to we're going to we're going to bring some respect back to this organization. I don't know what Capuano accomplishes at all. Not to say he's a bad hockey coach. He's been in the NHL. He's got a winning record in the NHL, at least by NHL standards. And He's been in the league as an associate. But, come on. For this job, at this timing, makes no sense in any way. There's nothing about his coaching style that appeals to me. There's nothing about his track record that appeals to me. And I guess I don't really care that the Senators denied it. It is interesting, though, that the Senators did deny it. And maybe that should say more about them than it does anything about the Sabres wanting to talk to him. That, you got a guy that's on your staff that is probably dying to get back to a head coach job. He did it for seven years. He had moderate success. He probably thinks he deserves another shot. And maybe Jack Capuano is sitting back thinking, I wonder if I could get the Buffalo job. You know, they're in shambles. Maybe they don't have a better idea. Maybe I can sneak my way into the Buffalo job. And you find out they want to interview you. And to this point, we haven't... I guess we don't know this for sure, but I don't see any indication that he said no. It sounds like the senator said no. In fact, here's it from Brian Lawton. Actually, as I've been talking here, Brian Lawton has tweeted in the last, last three minutes. Brian Lawton, surprised by the news out of Senators camp that they would not give permission to the Buffalo Sabres to interview Jack Capuano, Capuano who I grew up with, was excellent for USA hockey in the world championships where he guided a near perfect round Robin and bronze medal. Now Lawton who says I grew up with him would clearly be biased towards wanting Capuano to get a job. And he, I imagine between his media job at NHL network and his relationship with Capuano would know whether or not what's happened there. He would know, if Capuano said, I don't want the Sabre job, then he wouldn't be tweeting out here, basically, why did the Senators do this? And I think that is the overall point here. What kind of organization do the Ottawa Senators have going over there? I guess we shouldn't be surprised, because Eugene Melnick, who has been ranked as like the worst sports owner in all of professional North American sports, is leading the way there. That he would say no To one of his assistant coaches for a potential promotion with another club. And I think that really is the story here. That will be the story here. Because, again, I think the Sabres will end up with Granado. But, holy cow, Ottawa Senators. You can't give your assistant a shot at another head coaching job? Terrible job. Terrible job by them. So that's really what's going on with the Sabres right now. Uh, Again, nothing really newsy there. Um... But that's the, that's the update. You can get more details, by the way. Uh, I got a story up at WGR550.com and the Odyssey app. It's the nightcap. You can call in at 803-0550. I do want to talk a little bit about the New England Patriots today. They are in the news for two different reasons. One, Cam Newton had a couple of training camp videos that went viral today for bad reasons. He, on two throws from, like, the five-yard line into the back of the end zone. So what are we talking about? about the end zones 10 yards deep. We're talking about a 14-yard throw at most. The little fade routes to the back corner of the end zones. And on both throws, Newton way over the guy's head. Skies it way over the guy's head. And then Mac Jones comes in and nothing all that impressive. Again, it's only a, like a 14-yard throw, and he puts it right in the bread basket. So Newton is in the news, though, because, one, those videos got out. Two. His hand looks okay after a potential injury last week, and he took the first-team reps at practice. Now, a bold statement, a bold call from Dan Orlovsky of ESPN today. He predicted that Mac Jones will start week one for the Patriots, and I'm beginning to wonder as well what it will take for that to happen because that is very impactful for the AFC East. If they... Go to Mac Jones. That's it. It's Mac Jones. It's the Mac Jones show from then there on out. He is a first-round draft pick. He's a rookie. And you don't put him back on the bench. I know Miami did this weird thing with Tua this past season. But even when they would take Tua out for Fitzpatrick, they still would have him come back as the starter for the following game. And if I'm New England... If I'm New England, I should seriously think I can make the playoffs this year. I don't think I could beat catch the Bills unless something drastic happens. I don't think I can catch the Bills. But I think I can make the playoffs. Maybe I can play the Bills in the first round. That might be likely right now. Not likely, but there might be a good chance of that. That the Bills end up as the two seed and the 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 Patriots end up as the seven. Well, if you look at it, If you start Newton week one, you could get a real look to see if he can improve from last season and the year prior. Can he get back to a point where he's healthy enough and he's mobile enough that he can be any version of the Cam Newton of old? Because that's one path for the Patriots to making the playoffs. They have two. They have two paths, and that's one of them. One of them is Newton comes in. He looks like he's 60-70% of what he used to be in Carolina. And that version of Newton combined with all of the opt outs returning, Dante Hightower, the pieces on defense, the guys they signed, like Kyle Van Noy on the defensive side of the football, the coaching staff, of course, with Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels, and the added offensive weapons up front with Hunter Henry, Johnu Smith, Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, not superstars, but an enormous upgrade over what they had last year. All of that combined with an uptick in Newton's production. And that's a playoff team. Or that's at least a team that is fighting right to the very end to make the playoffs. That's path one. Path two is, again, all those things happen, but Mac Jones comes in, and he looks like the NFL-ready prospect that a lot of people built him up to be. And I've always been a... I don't want to say I'm a Mac Jones stand. I definitely think was above the average consensus on what Mac Jones is going to be in the NFL. I think he could be a very good quarterback in the league. I think he's got the accuracy. I, got, I think he's got enough downfield arm power. I think he's got the mental part. I think he doesn't have the athleticism, and that will always hold him back from being an elite quarterback. I don't think he has it in him to be an elite quarterback in the league, but I think he can be a very good one. Top 15, above average I think he can give you what Baker Mayfield has given Cleveland in the past couple of years. Which is, again, good. Good enough to where you get to play Kansas City in Arrowhead in the playoffs, and maybe you get lucky once every five times. That could be Mac Jones, and that could even be Mac Jones this year. If Mac Jones is their quarterback, they could make the playoffs. But the problem to me with Orlovsky's Prediction: If New England goes that route, if Newton does look that bad in training camp and minicamp, then I guess you just got to do it, but you did sign Newton back. And even though you gave him backup money, Newton is a, a widely respected player in both his own locker room and league wide. And if you bench him for the rookie, I think without giving Newton even a chance to prove himself this season after... And you might hear that and think, well, what are you talking about? They gave him a chance last year. They did, but did they give him a full chance? Because it was a COVID-shortened offseason, which he, by the way, showed up late to because New England didn't sign him until right before the season started. So he didn't get a full offseason of work to learn a complex Patriots offense. He had... The worst wide receiver core in the league, the worst tight end core in the league. No one was throwing to less talent in the sport than Cam Newton was. Jacoby Myers, their leading receiver on the year last year, had more passing touchdowns than he did receiving touchdowns, and part of that is Newton's fault. It is, but Jacoby Myers was their wide receiver one. Come on. Matt LaCosse was their tight end one. These are guys that casual football fans have not even heard of. And that's who he was throwing to last year. And not to mention, he caught COVID in the midpoint of last season. And who knows if he ever got back from that to full health. So, I don't know that other players and other people in the league will view that as Newton really got a chance. So I think... The most likely outcome is he will get a chance at the start of the season. But the other reason that I think it would be a bad idea for New England to start Mac Jones week one is if they do start Mac Jones week one, they're putting all of their eggs in that basket. Because, again, you can't pull him once you put him in. You just can't do it. Jones goes in and he doesn't look like he's ready. You've got a bad situation on your hands. You have got a really bad situation on your hands if you are the New England Patriots. You just drafted this kid 15th overall. I mean, I know he was the fifth quarterback taken, but 15th overall is a pick. That's not nothing. That's only five picks behind where Mahomes went. It's only three picks behind where Deshaun Watson went. That's an investment. That's not even like Jordan Love. We I talk about how much the Packers invest in Jordan Love by trading up to the 30th pick of the 2019 NFL Draft. And that's 15 picks past where Jones went. Love was twenty six, by the way, not 30th. Four picks behind where Fields went. It was... Where? Three picks behind Watson, five picks behind Mahomes. It's an investment that New England made. And even if it's close at camp, I think they go Newton. But more and more, I am believing that the Bills will be facing Mac Jones twice in the later part of the season. Because even though I just made a lot of arguments for why New England should stay with Newton, by the way, I don't want to make this sound like I'm rooting for New England to be good in any way. I hope they mess it up. I hope both guys stink but there are two paths in my mind to them being good and being the second best team in the AFC East. I don't think it's much of a leap to say that Newton or Jones or maybe both could give New England more than what Tua gives Miami this season. They're all kind of in the same area for me. I could see all three of those guys, Newton, Tua, and Jones, I could see all three falling flat on their face. Being just game managers. And I could see all three taking a step forward. Newton with his health, Jones as a rookie, and Tua as a, as a second-year player. I think they're all in the same category. The difference is the Patriots have two of them. So, if Tua comes out of the gates and he doesn't look that good, they have nobody to go to. They're not going to Jacoby Brissett their backup quarterback. No, we're talking about Miami drafting a guy next year is what we're doing. But Tua's in there. That That's his season. New England has two tries at it. They have two kicks at the can. If Newton comes in and looks bad, and looks awful, looks shot, they go to Mac Jones. They get a second try. And that's why I think today, I would pick New England to be the Bills' biggest threat in 2021 over the Miami Dolphins. How's that sound to you? Because I've arrived at that point. Even though... Miami was on the doorstep of the playoffs last year and that they have the quarterback that coming into the league was thought of more highly. Jones kind of just arrived as a first-round prospect late in the college football season and into the draft process. Even as as Alabama's season ended, Jones was end of the first round, second-round guy. I felt like I heard him being a second-round guy more. He rose through the draft process. And nobody thought of him as an NFL-level quarterback prior to last year. Whereas Tua was a guy that people were talking about tanking for two years out. And now I think we've arrived at a point where they are very similar in terms of their ceiling in the league. I would think Jones maybe even has a higher ceiling because I don't have questions about his health. I have questions about if Tua can even throw the ball fast enough if his ball velocity can return after the major hip surgery that he had that clearly inhibited him last year. Jones doesn't have that. It's New England for me. I don't think either are a big threat to the Bills, but it's New England for me. I think they're the team that poses a bigger threat to the Bills in the division. The most likely outcome is the Bills will win the division, and there's a there's a good chance They could play one of these AFC East teams in the first round of the playoffs. And if you made me pick which one it'll be, I think it's going to be the New England Patriots. So, how's that sound to you? Miami versus New England for this year. Nate Geary would love to throw the Jets out in this conversation right now. Uh, I'm sure he's tackled that on his Saturday show plenty. I'm not really going to mention them in this breath. I... I don't want to be I don't want to rule them out because I do love Zach Wilson. I think he has easily the highest ceiling of any quarterback in this division that's not Josh Allen. And I don't even think it's close. His ceiling is leaps and bounds higher than Mac Jones and Tua. And I've liked a lot of the jets pick picks. I love Elijah Moore. I think he's gonna be a stud in the league. but two one year too early on them. Talk to me in a year, I'll tell you the Jets probably are the Bill's biggest threat next season. this year. I don't think so. I don't even think they enter the conversation. I think it's Miami versus New England. I think it's New England for the second team in the AFC East. What a great conversation, by the way. Who's the second team in the AFC East? We have reached a point not only where the Bills are in a division conversation, which would have sounded like a dream once upon a time. They They are the assumed number one. A similar treatment to what New England got for 20 years. No one even discussed a division race. When's the last time we ever discussed an AFC East division race? I guess we did for the one year after Brady left. Last year, probably going in, maybe. Were people predicting that New England would still win the division? I bet those people were out there. But I know the Bills were the favorite going into last year, just probably not as heavy a favorite as they are this year. 8030550 is the phone number. Miami or New England? Who's a better team going into 2021? We got... A good interview coming your way at some point in the show, too. Brett McMurphy from Stadium. The college football playoff infrastructure could change by a a massive amount of teams joining. And we'll get to that at some point, because Brett was on with Howard and Jeremy this morning, and I thought that was really good. So that we'll get to as well. Also, your phone calls at 803-0550. It is the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR.